That's the dream. That's the dream. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. a as a uh, as a supervisor, your dream is to shift. Like when you can put music in a scene, and a scene gets so tied to the music that people hear the song and think mm-hmm. of that scene. I yes. honestly <laughs> think that literally is like the peak. Like I I put that up there with you know with winning a Grammy or anything else. I mm. honestly think that that literally is like the top. Like I, I know that there are some movies and shows where I'm like anytime I hear this song, like case in point, I know anytime I hear a change is gonna come by mm-hmm. Sam Cooke, I always yep. think of Malcolm X. And, Uh, you know, what Spike Lee did, like, and it's a ton of other examples like that. Mm -hmm. But if you can do that, like, I think you win. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. What's going on? Welcome to the new music business podcast, season two. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book. Today, my guest is Brian Vickers. He is a music supervisor at Disney. Yes, the Disney, Walt Disney Studios, and he works on the in-house trailer team. They call this department The Hive. He's going to talk more about that. He's worked on films uh, with Disney, such as The Avengers, both recent Avengers films, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker. He's also done Black Panther, Frozen 2, Soul, Hamilton, Black is King, and many, many others. He has worked at other trailer houses, other music supervision companies. Uh, He actually got to start as a performer. He performed on the sing-off, believe it or not, uh, that acapella show. This episode, we dig into all things sync licensing, specifically in the trailer department, because that is Brian's current specialty. But we talk about getting into sync licensing on both sides. So as an artist, of course, uh, that's that's always my angle. But we actually spent a significant amount of time talking about if you wanted to become a music supervisor yourself, Brian gave some really great tips on how to go about that. So stick around to the end of the episode where we cover that in depth. As always, please follow me on Instagram at Ari Herstand or on Twitter as well at Ari Herstand. Or you can follow all of us and the show at Ari's Take on Instagram and Twitter. Visit Ari'sTake.com. Sign up for that email list. That's where you're going to get all the most up-to-date information. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. Those really help. We just actually highlighted quite a few of them on Instagram. So thank you so much for the reviews that you have left. It is quite a treat and joy to read through those. Uh, If you're listening to this on YouTube, please leave a comment after you watch the episode. Let us know what you think. And however you're listening to this, please subscribe to the show. All right, let's kick into the show. Brian Vickers, welcome to the show. 
Hey, hey, glad to hey. be here. <laughs> so, so where, so LA is currently in a in a uh, another major lockdown. I'm assuming you've been working from home since lockdown. Yeah. Like Disney hasn't really had anyone on the lot, right? Oh man, it's it's been a ghost town over there. I yeah. um, funny story. I took my paternity back in March uh, because, like I said, I you know I have a new baby. Took yeah. my paternity in March, the week of my birthday, and that week was the week that everyone got sent home. Oh, so wow. that was insane. Uh, crazy <laughs> yeah, timing. And I sure bet. enough, uh, that lasted for about two months uh, or so. So maybe mm-hmm. I think about May, I was back mm-hmm. to work. But even back to work was just me opening my laptop and doing work right. here at home. So, uh, yeah. Man, what is that like do- working from home with a one-year-old? Oh man, it's <laughs> all of the memes and the jokes that people have are so yeah. great. Like I was on a Zoom one day and um I was with, you know, like, you know, my team. Yeah. And sure enough, they heard the baby yelling and I didn't think anything of it because I'm yeah. like, I'm on mute, we're good. And sure right. enough, like I think my boss interrupted to go like, "Hey, you know, Brian, tell Amara we all said hello." And I'm like <laughs> and I look and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> This is great. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a lot of dodging. I get you, I, yeah. me and that mute button or BFFs, man. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I just expect yeah. uh, on every Zoom call that there's going to be a child that's going to wander in and start climbing <laughs> on their parent because that's happened so frequently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just like that. I don't even. And the best thing is, is they've gotten, parents have gotten so good at just multitasking that child yeah. while conducting the interview or while, you know, in the meeting. <laughs> and it's just like this jungle gym happening right. all over them. Them and uh, and it's like they don't even skip a beat, and I'm just sitting That's here it. marveling at what right. is happening, <laughs> shocked that hey, this is actually yeah. Uh, That's able the to talent, man. That's the talent. You Serious have to you stay focused. You're right here. Wow. And it's I, like destruction all over. But you're like, oh, it's cool. I'll get back to it. Crazy. So. So how is it? So what are you working on these days? You're primarily in like the trailer department, right? At Disney. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, what yeah. are the current projects that you've been kind of working on these days, and how has the workflow shifted, if it has at all, like kind of being at home? Yeah, it's it's a complete shift, honestly. I I work on the theatrical marketing side, so we're okay. responsible for uh, you know trailers, TV spots, uh, behind the scenes content, you know, um, featurettes, mm-hmm. and anything to get people interested in our films. I work for the in-house uh, trailer team uh, called the Hive. So um, we exclusively work on uh, Disney. uh, properties and Disney films, et cetera. Mm. But one thing a lot of people don't know about the trailer industry is even as an in-house, we have to compete against outside vendors. So, you know, for Mm. whatever the big trailer might be, you know, sure, we might be working on it, whether it's, as an example, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which just came out, uh, you know, we, you know, we just dropped a trailer for that one yesterday. So it'll be us along with maybe three or four other trailer houses around town. And uh, we're all competing to win out, you know, on whatever the final spot is. I think people think automatically, oh, that's your movie. That's you. Frozen, that's you. Yeah. Yeah, every movie we have a shot at, but we're not the only ones working on those films. That's so interesting. So who makes those final calls on which trailer wins? Yeah, man, that's uh, that's up to the client. That is up to the client, whoever they may be. And here's the thing, um, just to, I guess, to further elaborate on that. Yeah. Um, 
even though I work for Disney, mm-hmm. um, we have uh, clients, like all of our clients are Disney clients, whereas some of the trailer houses, they uh, have different clients with different studios. They might have okay. a client at Disney and then a client at Paramount or a client at So Lions they're totally so third forth. party, non-exclusive. Correct. Yeah. Right, right. Um, for us, our client is only Disney. But once again, you know, that's how the trailer world operates. Everyone competes uh, Mm -hmm. against, you know, each other and the client ultimately decides, you know what, that's the trailer that we want to go with. And when you're saying the client, I'm assuming, is it a is it a combination of like the director and the producer of that film? Uh, yeah, another good question. Um, It it can it usually varies. There's always like a point person per okay. uh whatever the campaign is sure. but remember even with them uh it then has to go up eventually to the filmmaker and to you know whoever mm. is the head of marketing for whatever the studio may be so uh, a lot wow. of people a lot of people a lot have of to see this. <laughs> yeah so that's so interesting i mean disney is, is like it's such a massive company and I have a couple good friends who work at Disney um, on the lot. Well, when they could be on the lot, right. um, it, you know, and, and it's just, it's so interesting when you're talking about the third party and like what is actually under the Disney roof and what is in kind of outsourced. And my friend who right. works there, he actually was running a third party company that then nice. disney kind of brought in house and was like hey it'd actually be better and warmer if you're just like all Perfect. here yeah <laughs> yeah like, that's a good absolutely move. let's just do that so um so so specifically when you're um kind of working on these trailers with the hive and so are you guys still ref- was the hive a third-party company that disney acquired or did they just kind of create this name in-house for you no guys? so here's a brief history of our team um mm-hmm. it actually all started with star wars the force awakens huh. um when they wanted to do that film they wanted to keep all of the property extremely confidential they wanted to keep it as close to heart as yep. possible literally not leaving the lot so mm-hmm. This team was formed, I think it was roughly about nine people originally, and they were all formed to work on that particular project. Um, And, you know, after that campaign was over, you know, uh, I guess the powers that be decided, you know what, this is a good idea. Let's keep them in house um, and let's give them other properties that we don't want to leave or that we want to, you know, just be very, very secure with. So mm-hmm. the team continued to grow, continued to grow, started with nine people. Now we're over, I believe we're over 40 total. Mm. Um, wow in just a couple years but uh yeah it, it grew in a hurry but we also as a result of that i've had a chance to work on some amazing campaigns yeah. uh for films but a lot of stuff uh like our team exclusively worked on um captain or excuse me worked on uh the last two avengers films and the last two I, star wars films oh wow so, yeah in game as well as you know uh sure. infinity war yeah Honest stuff. It was great. And when you got uh, hired, um, were you hired for the Hive team specifically? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, funny enough, I um, yeah, I, I got in and I had applied for Disney a while back. Sure. Uh, and you know, I guess they remembered whole nine went through the whole process all over again. But yeah, cool. it was it was always for the Hive and for mm-hmm. music supervision. Nice. And what is your role specifically uh, that you do kind of on a day to day? Sure. Basis? Sure. Um, 
Well, of course it's changed now, but I, I work as a music supervisor um, mm-hmm. for the Hive. So what that usually means is we look for music for these theatrical spots for mm-hmm. uh for whether it's trailers you know tv spots or like i said uh content pieces but what we normally do is uh we uh work with it's very collaborative our job Mm. is incredibly collaborative we work with our editors you know usually there's a conversation that happens our editors tell us what their vision is and we kind of talk that through and then Mm. we'll go and either look for music from pre-existing music from music libraries or you know some production companies we work with labels Mm. you know whoever that might be or we um actually will get things custom made depending mm-hmm. on the spot. Um, and we have a, a limited number of people that we work with. I know I usually get a lot of you know requests like, hey man, we wanna work on custom stuff for you guys. And mm-hmm. I don't think people really understand what that looks like you know, to do custom work for trailers because a lot of it is done on spec. A lot of it is just done and the turnaround time I've I've worked on the TV side and the trailer side and um, and I've heard about the film side, but mm-hmm. I think everyone kind of agrees that the tr- the trailer side operates the absolute fastest, you know, usually when I reach out to people is, yeah. hey, man, I need this yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So uh, even if they're creating stuff, you know. That is really interesting because because in the, on the film side, when you're placing a song in a film, I mean that could be months of oh, yeah. testing this out and trying to, or even years because of how yeah. long just the timelines of what films are, and with trails because it's almost kind of like uh, you're making commercials, and so it's almost as yeah. quick turnarounds as like on the commercial Super side. Quick. So um, explain what you mean by the, um, custom. Uh, spots oh, sure. and and like specifically like if somebody come if, if you, the people that you do work with what does that look like and how are those conversations had when you need something custom certainly, done certainly certainly yeah usually when we reach out to people for custom work that mm-hmm. means we are looking to get something that is literally specific to whatever that campaign might be you know an editor might have an idea and they're not seeing whatever that idea is from other music so they want something specific. Or it could be getting work done to trailerize a piece of pre-existing music. You guys have probably heard this before when you watch a trailer and you're like, oh, I've never heard that version of a DMX song. or I've never heard that version of a, you know, Alanis Morissette song, whatever the case Mm -hmm. may be. So what we do is we'll take a song that exists or we'll work with uh, vendors. We work with these vendors that I mentioned and we'll figure out a way to make that different how do we make that stand out how do we make that work for whatever the piece is and ultimately hopefully once again win the trailer so um yeah it's it's a a super competitive process so when you say trailerize and you're saying kind of how do we make Mm -hmm. that work uh just to even get more specific i'm assuming like uh adding a <laughs> like that kind of stuff is like hey, that's not just nope. like what you just did <laughs> like because yeah. it's like you, you you watch these trailers and it's like oh i know that song it's like but right. there's all these additional production elements that get added that right. are not in the original recording so that's what you mean by trailerized that right? literally is it well when we say trailerized typically it means making it fit for a trailer that means okay. we're reducing it in some type of way but also a lot of songs aren't written for trailers they're just written like when you sit down and write a song you probably are like this is the song i want to write this is my idea bada bop right but when we're doing it for trailers 
we go back and we will sometimes that means uh throwing in a layer of orchestration underneath mm, or okay. doing something with the strings like you mentioned yes yep. sound design is a big element yep. um these big you know uh massive bills build up because when it comes to trailers there is a specific formula that you know i always tell people they typically follow it's usually a three-act structure about two minutes to 30 seconds to three minutes mm-hmm. um and as we're doing that time frame the first act kind of establishes whatever your theme is the second one builds on it the third one builds gigantic and it takes us home so Mm. typically a trailerized piece of music um does all those things but it it just makes it much more big and much more epic or it'll make it small and then like you guys have heard like the acoustic versions of whatever these songs are Uh you know to get used as well that three x structure that formula that's so interesting because uh if somebody wants to get their music placed in trailers, should they be thinking about creating music with that kind of a three-act formula structure, or do they take an existing piece, and would you say it's better that they take your existing songs and then get it over to these vendors you're talking about, the music libraries, or, or yeah. what are some other vendors that you're mentioning that that will do this kind of trailerization? Right. I I think that B is, is the answer. Okay. I think okay. that yeah. whenever you i think it's a good idea to create a song number one it always starts with uh themes and ideas Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's not just specific to trailer either i want to be very clear about that like that's just something in general that sync kind of has to follow like we like Mm -hmm. songs that have a definitive emotion or feeling like i know what you're saying you feel sad you feel happy and things Mm -hmm. that just resonate more emotionally now you know whatever that might be but Mm -hmm. if you're creating a song i think it's always a good idea to reach out to the people who've done this before like reach Mm -hmm. out to somebody like there are you know a ton of uh groups online and you can if you google if you Google like, you know, hey, trailer music, I know it's kind of a generic answer, yeah. but if you Google like trailer music, you'll see on YouTube, it's a very, very popular genre. It basically mm-hmm. is a genre within itself. But yep. yeah, there are people who specialize it. I always recommend reaching out to them because yep. that's how they we are. They already have our ear. You know, yes. like they know what we're looking for. So I right. definitely recommend uh, reaching out to And so ones. how does somebody find those people who like those third parties? Like, do you have a list somewhere? Is there a list of these are the Disney vendors that we love and these are the people you should go contact <laughs> and get into that door? Like, how do we even know where to start? Like, who are these people? Well, yeah, I like I said, I think I think it is something that you would have to research to see who I'm always a little bit tentative to call folks out. I don't want to, you know, like ruin or, you know, damage any relationships by putting some people or leaving people out. Usually it's leaving people out like, hey, man, you didn't mention us. (laughs) Um, That's a thing. But, yeah, I think that when you look up these trailers, if you just do a quick search of, you know, Uh trailer music production companies or trailer music companies, I think that people don't usually think to look for them. So Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I didn't know that this was a thing. I always recommend people look up those companies that way, but also look at their credits. You'll Mm -hmm. know like, oh man, you know, they did the music. And the funny thing about social media, like even on Twitter, it's a lot easier to find like, oh, who did this recent music for 
you know, whatever this film is, because, mm-hmm. you know, those companies are going to be like, oh, that's us. That's mm-hmm. us. And you can go to their website and see everything that they've done. And usually one company will lead you to another and another and another. Mm. Cool. So, no, that's a really great tip to, to just search the, the trailer music companies, because, I, yeah. Like you said, a lot of people probably don't even realize that's a thing. Right. Um, and I know that even before this, you, were, you used to work at Trailer Park, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, And yeah, that's yeah, one yeah. of those <laughs> companies that you're talking about, like that yeah. just pretty much does uh, trailer, it. yeah, music yeah. for trailers. Yeah, um, shout and, out and, to them, man. They're, that's <laughs> one of, that's literally, I would say, one of the, the largest and most prolific trailer houses in Hollywood. Like, yep. you know, I was definitely glad to work there and learn and grow and everything, but yeah, mm-hmm. man, they, they work with a ton of different studios. So they mm-hmm. would be a trailer house. And if you're looking to get your music to them, typically mm-hmm. it's a good idea to go to the trailer music companies that they work with, you know? And once again, I think that when you start to get, you know, these people that are doing these big blockbuster films, mm-hmm. you, you'll see that the circles are pretty small, but mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're definitely out there doing their thing. So to break that down even further, so Trailer Park and companies like that that are making trailers, right? Um, and you're saying they actually outsource or, or work with, I should say, right? Um, kind of uh let's call them licensing companies sure. uh music licensing companies or or, or sync agents i guess the ones sync that agents, kind of yeah. have a bunch of artists or a catalog or something like that and so th- they don't necessarily have um an in-house roster of artists and music but they can go to their preferred uh right. agents or you know licensing agents that kind of thing right. um sync agents and say, hey, we're looking for a song, you know, send them the brief. We're looking for a song right. that's like this. And then they get the song. Now, does um, Trailer Park, do they have in-house, and, and these kinds of companies, I'm just using them as an example, but right. like, do these trailer companies have in-house composers who will trailerize a, the song? Or do they depend on these um, these third-party kind of licensing companies or sync agents to trailerize right. that song and send it through? Well, I know typically, like I said, I know a lot of companies don't usually have in-houses um, and uh-huh. usually prefer working with the people who specialize in it just because okay. the workload and the workflow is so rigorous yeah. and so intense that, you know, folks don't want to, not that not that they don't want to have these teams, but it's just, it makes more sense to work with a lot of different people because mm-hmm. the same way our clients as trailer houses are looking mm-hmm. for different trailers in different spots. They also like to work with a lot of different companies to see what folks are capable of and mm. to see what different sounds they can take to, you yeah. know, to whatever the approach might be. So, yeah. Cool. So um, I'm assuming that um, artists can't come to you and pitch you music. And is that, is that safe to assume? I mean, people do it. <laughs> it's not, it's not sure. going to like stop them. I can be like, yeah. Hey guys, I don't take, and it's not going to stop people, which I get like, and I understand that. And to be completely, you know, um, honest with you, like yeah. I get that because, you know, my wife is a full-time singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. So while I'm doing my job, I'm still trying to get her material to a place where she can pitch people. So I personally believe in at least, trying to give people grace and talking Mm -hmm. to them so that we're at a place where, 
you know, I'm not just like shooting people down automatically. I do firmly recommend reaching out to whether it's these libraries or whether it is, you know, sync companies or people that specialize in pitching for sync. Because like I said, it's such a relationship industry and everyone who's working on the supervisor side often prefers working with people that they already know what they're capable of, you know, of doing and, and, and already know what they're, uh, what they sound like. And and I'm assuming it also probably deals with uh, the sync agents and those companies have cleared all the the rights. And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion oftentimes with artists and musicians who uh, may not realize that they don't have the uh, rights to clear themselves, or maybe they use the sample, or maybe they have a co-writer or something like that. And so if they were to come to you and be like, yeah, this is my production, and you place it, and you realize later that there was a hidden Tupac sample in there, now you're being sued. (laughs) That's a nightmare on Elm Street right there. First of all, uh, when when we talk about clearing tracks, like, First and foremost, I think that I, these are things that I always recommend for artists. If you are looking to do sync, I firstly have to say, please stay away from all samples. Like if you cannot sample at all, that would be incredible. If something even sounds remotely close to a sample, it might likely be a red flag for supervisors. Like they might say, Hey man, I don't know, because that sounds like a thing and they want to avoid getting sued. They want to avoid these last second. Good grief, man. What that is giving me anxiety thinking about that. (laughs) But, um, but that, you know what I'm saying? Like, that is a thing. Like you have to always be cognizant of, you know, not putting this stuff in there, but also I always tell people that when you're creating and when, you know, folks on our end do what it is that they're doing. Mm-hmm. We all know the songs that get done over and over again and that we hear over and over again. Um, but yeah, ultimately the supervisor or the company, uh, you know, whoever the client may be, they're going to have to clear it. Mm-hmm. So if they like it, I usually am like, uh, we'll let, you know, the powers that be make that determination. But um you know, they'll let you know right out the gate. There have been instances where we've pitched some stuff and the label already pushes back like, hey, man, they're not going to clear that. And we respect it and we find other things. But mm. I think as a supervisor, that's one thing I always tell people that want to be supervisors. Um, it's not just, hey, man, I know the perfect song for this. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. if you're good, that's the difference is having plan B. You always have at least a plan B, C, D, E, F, and G, man, because mm. you just really never know how things are going to go. And, and talk about that a little bit in some of the specifics of like, if you had the perfect song why wouldn't it go? Like, what are some of those <laughs> factors that would prevent this perfect song from being placed? Shout out to politics. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, it, just just like any other job, like there are certain is, instances where mm-hmm. you feel like this is it. Let's run. Mm-hmm. But someone up the ladder might see something differently, mm-hmm. which is why I always think, you know, when people are like, what do you think is the greatest asset that a music supervisor could have? And I always say, um, being flexible <laughs> and mm. collaborative because you can't take this stuff personal. There yeah. have been, I've, you know, like once a week where I'm like, oh, cool. I like that campaign. I see what you're doing. Got a great song. Let's do it. And, th- and then everyone, everyone likes it. It goes all the way up and they're like, eh, 
intimidate, not so much, but that's mm-hmm. how it goes. The more people you have listening to whatever the music is and seeing whatever is on screen, mm-hmm. the greater the chances of something changes, which is why when a trailer finishes, it's no small feat because it's literally been seen by this long list of people who mm-hmm. all have to say, all right, cool. That's, that's good. So by the things time, change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the time, you actually finish your trailer that's going to go up the chain and compete and everything like that. Um, the music in there has already been cleared and checked and like all of that, right? Or do you sometimes use like placeholder songs thinking like, well, let's hope they'll give us this <laughs> in our budget or something like that. How does well, that work? Or what's the timeline? I'm in a unique situation in my mm-hmm. company where we get to be primarily creative. So that means we don't have to work as much on the clearance side. Uh, We don't have to, because there's a different team that that handles that. But I will say that um, even in being, you know, having that difference, we don't just go nuts. You know what I'm saying? Like we always are mindful of certain things. We always try to be mindful. First and foremost, our goal is to make sure that we are being as creative as possible and that our editors and our team has something and can present something that they are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, usually it doesn't get to the clearance phase until we know like, Hey man, there's a good chance that this is gonna, you know, this is gonna lock because there, there are certain conversations that then have to happen. And we want to make sure that we're not jumping the gun and you don't want to get folks hopes up if mm-hmm. it's still, you know, early on, but I will say this um, out of every single trailer I've ever worked on just about, I don't think that there's ever been a V one to finish when it comes to music, because it, it it constantly changes that's the mm. nature of what we do like sure you know things change in with the visuals and you mm-hmm. know things need to change with the music and mm-hmm. you know it, it's just a part of it but it's yeah. it and it's very tedious but that's the gig so what is the process for you um and and step me through this because i i've never uh, most people have not been in your shoes where they're like, all right, we're creating uh, the new Avengers trailer. Right. Go. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, right. what does that what does that mean? Break that down and like right. step by step how that even works. Right. Well, I think that there are a couple of things that are unique uh, in my position uh, working yeah. for the company that I work for that are different. Um, when you work for a company like Disney, there are some projects that have pre-existing themes that are very well known. So if you're working on something like Avengers, there's an Avengers theme that people Mm. automatically can identify. So a lot of times in my mind, I know one way or another that theme is going to show up somewhere. Maybe the spot is built around the theme. Maybe the music, you know, interpolates the theme in some type of way. Or maybe, you know, we just go, we do something else and just use the theme as a button. So Mm. that part, I think, uh, is one slice of the pie versus, you know, sometimes it really just depends on what the work is and the direction sometimes we know movies will be blockbuster films but we want to take a small more minimal approach Mm -hmm. so it really just depends on you know on at least for me it depends Mm -hmm. on the editor and what how they see and my goal Mm -hmm. is to 
you know, try to meet them halfway so that they can present what it is that they see, uh, as well as, you know, all these other pieces of the puzzle, like I said, because there are so many people involved. But even if you're on the TV side, it's the same thing if you're working with, you know, producers or showrunners or or whoever the case may be, you know, on the on the film side, directors, the whole nine. Your goal is to make sure that you are presenting something musically to fully uh, communicate the vision Mm -hmm. of whoever you're you're working with so when you get uh so when you come into the process is it safe to assume that the picture is locked and the trailer is virtually done and you just need music or nope. when do you step in? Yeah. So uh, when, nah, when man. are you part of it? Yeah. We're, we're super early on, man. Like we, okay. sometimes we're, we're looking at dailies. Like our, our people are putting are together, dailies? sorry, our people are putting together like the earliest shots of the film before, like literally, Oh, they want set. Here's what they have boom as opposed to you know like having because i know that's more of a film thing where all right cool there's an assembly what they call an assembly or something that's put together and you know they have an idea all right let's try this right here this might be a good you know uh thing for on camera or whatever but um what we do we're early you know hey guys here's the project that's coming down the pipeline Let's see if we can start thinking of ideas. Like yesterday, for example, um, mm-hmm. in working for Disney, uh, we had an event called Investor Day, which they announced a ton of features and a ton of projects that are coming up, many of whom I did not know. I was like, oh, wow, that's a thing. All right, cool. And secretly, I'm already kind of letting the wheel spin to say, all right, what would I use for this? Or what would I use for that? Or mm-hmm. what does that look like? So we're early, early, early on. Like I might next week, you know, our bosses might come in and say, hey, guys, this is what we're going to be working on. And then we just (laughs) we just go from there. But, yeah, we're we're more often early than that. Cool. And so are you working alongside the editors uh, when it's like time to create that trailer? Are you kind of I mean, when you could be in person with them, are you would you be like sitting next to them in the editor's bay? And they're like, all right, so we're kind of putting this together. What do you think music (laughs) would fit with this kind of thing? Or, yeah, what is how does that work? Yeah, man. And it's funny because you earlier you mentioned working from home and the difference. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the biggest difference, man. Usually when we're on the lot, we're able to go in the bays and we can talk to editors and say hey man how are you feeling about this or hey ma'am excuse me (laughs) uh like how are you feeling about whatever's going on um and we just have a a conversation like a a real early talk you know here's what i'm thinking let's try something like this or whatever um and sometimes they uh whoever is working on the project they've looked at whatever it is like they've Mm -hmm. already looked at either the movie or they've looked at you know some early footage and have gathered ideas sometimes they have it and um because ultimately the job of the music is to determine the emotion of whatever's happening on screen Mm -hmm. so it's a very important thing which i am so grateful that i'm in a job that is so relevant you know to the film world and to you know just entertainment in general like we all know how like i know we always joke like music is important music is life like no (laughs) music is very key because sometimes that might be the difference and somebody you know washing dishes and saying hey wait what was that and them stopping to go see what it is versus i don't care you know like it's a it's a very important game 
Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, Two Loss is partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, this is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for 100 grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, they also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used and it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Yeah, and and I mean, you have uh, an interesting history. You were a music major, right? And, <laughs> yeah, and man. you studied yeah, yeah. like vocal performance. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Howard University in DC, uh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a I was a vocal jazz guy up at Howard. Cool. So, oh, nice, yeah. nice. Um, uh, alongside uh, Vice President Harris, is that a few? She yeah, man. A few years What's before up? You? <laughs> oh, yeah. She's definitely right, way I before know, me, I man. Know. Like I'm, yeah. as a young pup, but same right. place, you know. Same but place. Yeah, yeah, different yeah, yeah. time. <laughs> um. So, so that's cool. So you do have music that, like. It's not just something that you fell into this uh, job and it was a job and like you came over from like the tech department. It was like, no, music has been a part of you oh, and man. you happen to yeah. find yourself. It's like in this niche of the industry. Did you know in school when you were studying vocal jazz and jazz performance, that's like uh, sync licensing. <laughs> this is man. what I want to do. Music supervision. Look, that's a that's a great question. I to be completely honest, I, I got into music early. I got into mm -hmm. music super early because my, you know, my mom put me in the church choir. 
church mm. choir when I was like four or five, couldn't talk words. They're like, yeah, just get in the choir and see what happens. But I yeah. began to like love music and not to mention they begin to notice like, oh man, you kind of got an ear for this thing. So um, yeah, I got in super early, but by the time I got to college, you know, usually it's like, all right, well, what are you doing with a music degree? Well, you can teach, <laughs> um, yeah. which is cool. I right. love and and man, shout out to all my you know my music teachers in general. I love it because those yeah. were always my favorite teachers. But you, yeah. I was like, you could teach or you could perform. You know, you mm-hmm. hope I you hope you can go to New York, or L.A., get a label thing. Da da da. Ah, but um, it, it was by the time I hit my senior year of college, I said I need to figure something out because mm-hmm. I don't know how that's gonna. And it was just like a real honest conversation like ah, you might not get signed what happens so yeah. i that's why i ended up going back to school i went to full sale as well um uh-huh. and got you know uh my associates in recording arts because i said here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna learn how to do a studio thing i'm gonna learn how to speak studio like from the technical mm-hmm. standpoint and learn you know like you already know the musical performance part let's uh-huh. let's put this part with it and let's see what happens because my mm-hmm. goal was to like do producing i was like oh i want to be a music producer and let's see how we can do with that but um i remember and now i'm hopping back in time but yeah. uh earlier on I, I remember watching the bernie mac show i'm always going to credit this show but i remember watching Classic. the bernie mac show and i remember thinking like wow the music really feels like he chose it himself and i and i and i said like man like this these are songs that i know that i'm familiar with that i love and i know my parents know it i know they love it because it's like right in their lane and that's what they used to play for me all the time Mm -hmm. but i said what is that job and how do you do that and that's when i learned what a music supervisor was fast forward to years later after i finished full sale um they hit me up like hey man what about um an internship with this company mm-hmm. and I ended up interning and was like yo this if this is on the path to do it let's go man and mm. yeah been, <laughs> been where in was your six. internship uh, I was with the company Buna Murray Productions you know that was my first uh, first gig they, that's how I got in man <laughs> they do uh they did like MTV stuff in the real world oh yeah that man stuff, that, right? that was there like when I would pitch them I would tell people like oh yeah it's Buna Murray's you know bad girls real world yeah. uh and uh Kardashians you know now I my, think yeah my first sync placement ever uh, was in 2005 and it was on the real world placed oh, by them snap. and uh, oh. i think it was carrie hughes was like music supervising <laughs> oh, at the yeah, time yeah, or something yeah. like that when were you th- i'm assuming you were there probably a few years after i that, got there I... in like let's see oh eight okay yeah. okay yeah, so just yeah. a few years later i mean i yeah. had so many placements on that show because they have like the catalog <laughs> stuff yeah and, you know yeah but uh yeah. but that was like such a huge win for me and yeah. it was like i had um, it was funny because I kind of just like, it was early on. I was so young. It was my first album. I didn't know anything about right. anything, but I like was working with this company and they're like, Hey, MTV needs some music. I'm like, here, take my music. That's it, so right? Get right. <laughs> and like, I didn't even know my song was placed wow. until a friend hit me up. Cause it was like how, how MTV worked back then and how it's different now, right. but how the real world was then was basically, they just kind of got a, a blanket license of a like just a bunch of music from like a library or something and it's like oh yeah man you have the rights to use all this music and the artists kind of do that because they know they're going to make bank on performance royalties in the back end Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and and exposure for sure 
Um, and so I just like, I didn't even know. And my friend literally called me up and was like, I think I'm listening to your song on the real world right now. I'm wow. like, what? No way. <laughs> and like, I got a few calls from that. Yeah, I'm like, man, yeah, this yeah. is so crazy. Yeah. And like years later, um, I'm trying to think my, uh, actually it was like probably 2015. I had another song placed when they were doing the thing, maybe 2016, when they were putting the name of the artist on the Chirons, screen. Chirons, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's the when game the changer. When the song play on the screen, <laughs> the artist name and the song title was right yeah. there on the screen. I'm like, yeah. this is so cool. Supporting the, the artist. Yeah. I love that. Like, uh, uh, I think it's. I think it's uh, so you think you can dance also does that the like okay. put the name of the song and the artist Perfect. on the screen and like yeah. whenever someone does that I'm like yeah like the, it's supporting the artist yeah it's, right. I, I always yeah. recommend I know sometimes people do feel a type of way like oh it's a gratis deal it's a gratis deal but I'm mm -hmm. like you know I understand it might not be for everyone but one way that I always tell people is mm -hmm. the exposure is big you know mm -hmm. because it is there like you can get your song in front of millions of people regularly mm -hmm. which is dope and yeah you will end up getting that back end but also you have to look at it like you know hey if you get it there now you mm -hmm. can say that you have a tv resume like oh I've had mm -hmm. my show featured on or you know used on this show or that show or whatever but mm -hmm. yeah a lot of times it's been uh you know springboard for some artists so yeah it's wonderful oh totally I mean there's countless artists artists we can point to like their first sync that just blew them up and right. i mean i also had a song um placed on on uh one tree hill when that song oh, was hot snap. and like yeah, 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 it, yeah. Lindsay wolfington shout out to uh Lindsay ah, Wolfington, Lindsay. Rose, who like placed yeah, me in man. that and it was like i noticed literally uh my album that on it was this was the itunes era and every song was like equal popularity on itunes right like minutes after the show the episode aired my, that song on itunes was like full bar popularity and i got like right. hundreds of downloads it like literally that night oh just man. That, that night and then That's every it. show i played after that for like two years somebody would come up to me after the show and say i heard your song on one tree hill and i'm here Yo, and i've been a fan ever since i'm like oh this is that's insane. that's the thing man i think <laughs> right. that's the greatest part about um, about licensing from shows like that is that, yeah. you know, you build this whole new fan base of people that never would have been able to make it to your show or, you yeah. know, that, that might not have known you because I started this in the MySpace music era, <laughs> yeah. you know, there wasn't like a SoundCloud or whatever. And, you know, like, uh, and before that, I know cats that are older, you know, back mm -hmm. when I was, you know, but that was the thing. So, um, it, it definitely can change the trajectory. So yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's yeah. So when you got into, you had this internship and you started learning the world of music supervision. Um, and now that you've been in it for how long have you been in the, the music supervision world? <sighs> supervision literally since I started back then in like, Oh, eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. uh, over a decade, 12 years. Yeah, um, like so it's, uh, have you found that there's like a music supervisor community or like a oh, sync yeah. community in that, oh, that realm? It's definitely a, a really solid, close knit community, man. Like I uh -huh. back when <laughs> back when the world was open, like yeah, <laughs> right, that was right. a, that was a thing where you could go mm -hmm. out and um and and see people like, oh man, I saw what you did on that show. Like I still hit people up 
on you know on twitter or whatever like man this joint was amazing or you know i really enjoyed this or what a great placement for that because cool. everyone i think is still kind of rooting for each other I, at mm-hmm. least that's how i see it um but i i do think that yeah it's a pretty close-knit community i've learned from a ton of people across the board you know when yeah. i see these folks at events and stuff um yeah i look up to a lot of folks so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice i mean it, it is it it is cool, you know, uh, uh, talent recognizes talent and you can kind of see that and, and you, you now watch stuff with a very specific particular eye. And I mean, we had um, Jen Malone on the show and she's the music supervisor for Euphoria man. I mean, and, and everything else. And, and Atlanta, Atlanta and, and, and yeah, all that, right, man, right. Creed, right. yeah, Jen's she, a beast, She's a man. superstar. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I was... Uh, I was watching Euphoria at the time, which was so cool. And there was like a mo- a scene where the song like altered the entire vibe of that scene. And it was, it, it right. was like, it, it really like, it drove the entire scene, the song. And I, it was like, it was unbelievable to me that music, I mean, as a musician, I'm like, this is obvious, but like that it could have such a powerful impact right. yes. in a scene that you think is like, oh, it's about the script and the writing and the actors and whatever. But like, no, this song really powered exactly. that scene. And it was, yeah. And it's like, really, it's that's, like, wow. That's the dream. That's the dream. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. a as a, uh, as a a supervisor, your dream is to shift. Like, when you can put music in a scene and a scene gets so tied to the music that people hear the song and think mm-hmm. of that scene. Yes. I honestly think that literally is like the peak. Like I, I put that up there with, you know, with winning a Grammy or anything else. I mm. honestly think that that literally is like the top. Like I, I know that there are some movies and shows where I'm like, anytime I hear this song, like case in point, I know anytime I hear a change is going to come by mm-hmm. Sam Cooke, I always yep. think a Malcolm X and uh, you know yeah. what Spike Lee did, like, and it's a ton of other examples like that. Mm-hmm. But if you can do that, like, I think you win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you, Especially when it penetrates culture like that, where it's just Man. like whenever that song comes on, immediately everybody goes to that scene or that movie or that show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, cool. Yeah. So if you, um, if let's go both sides. So uh, first side, a lot of musicians, independent musicians are listening to this and artist managers, and they kind of understand the sync world. And they're like, all right, uh, you know, I, I, I want to break into this and not right. just specifically with like trailers, which you gave a, a really helpful um, point on, on kind of going to those third parties, going to those libraries or, or uh, sync agents and sync licensing right. companies and stuff like that. Um, but now that you've been at a few different companies, you've seen different sides of the industry, you have, you're in that world. Um, what would you recommend for an artist who wants to get some of their songs placed? Like, I'll give you a little background, like how I got my song placed on one tree Hill. Now this is mind you 2010. So we're talking 10 years ago. Um, I literally tweeted my song to Lindsay Wolfington and <laughs> you, you can't really do that anymore. Uh, that's not like really yeah. going to happen. And, you know, fortunately, I mean, it all worked out. I, I, and it was, it was great, but like, I, that's, you're probably not recommending that you tweet your songs to music supervisors anymore. I don't know. It's what, not going to stop recommend? people. <laughs> it's right, not right. Stop people. So that's what it is. I, what, that's yeah. the joke. But I think, well, you know, 
I, I firmly believe in, you know, relationship building. It's really that simple. I think that, yes, we do, as supervisors, we do prefer going through one of those companies, like, you Mm -hmm. know, someone to pitch on your behalf. But, you know, you'd be surprised. I think sometimes it could be as simple as just reaching out. Like you said, you tweeted, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes reach out to some supervisors. But I think the key is that a lot of people kind of just throw the hell Mary, like be very precise in your approach. Like if you know that you do this particular sound, figure out who's work, what shows and what movies and what projects are using your sound and mm-hmm. then figure out who's working on that. Reach out to that person and send them a detailed message like hey Mm. person i know you worked on this show that show and that show i love the music and i have stuff in that lane and was curious what is your or do you have a submission process or whatever because sometimes people are like hey man my music would be perfect for your stuff and i'm like Mm -hmm. what stuff right (laughs) for all of it it works for everything no it doesn't you're crazy and because that's just that's just how it is and i know like i said i understand especially now with you know you can't you know you can't do the touring thing and venues Mm -hmm. are shut down um so sync is like booming in a sense um and it's about to be even bigger when you know production starts back up for everyone but Mm -hmm. i think that you know like i said just taking a a strategic approach is really the best decision you know like reaching out to people based on what you have and what they've done you know hitting up imdb to see what are their past projects do they have a sound that they typically go after like Mm -hmm. it requires a lot of work that sometimes to be honest i don't think people are willing to do Sure. Um, so it's just a matter of doing the complete legwork, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and just reaching out some, but that really is the best thing. If you're going to reach out yeah. to people blindly, at least give them a reason to open your email, like yeah. that, so that they know that you've done your part. I love that. I mean, that that's so key. And ever that like that was gold what you just said. So everyone listening to this, I hope you had your <laughs> notebook out and taking taking furious notes because that way he basically wrote the email for you. Um, oh. But it was great. And it's like, it was really yes, start off open your email with I've done my research. I mean, you don't say I've done my research, but basically right. you cited their shows, right. you show admiration, and you basically compliment them on their work that they've done. They're people too. We have have a, they yeah, have emotions. Man. <laughs> yeah, man. And I have right. off hours too. Like, right, man, look, right. I respectfully, I get a lot of emails and stuff where people are like, hey, man, can you just listen to my song? Like, hey, man, it's, it's like 1230 on <laughs> A Sunday. Yeah, right. <laughs> what? <laughs> like I'm just right. chilling. Like, yeah. like just kind of, of course, be respectful of people's time. And, mm-hmm. and once again, I know we're in this like weird culture where it's like, hey man, work, 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 work. Sometimes yeah. just you got to remember that people are human, you know, yeah. and and that's always the best approach is to is to meet people like they're human, you know, and do the exact same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. So let's go on the other side. Now, if somebody wants to become a music supervisor, how would they do that? Where do they begin? Let's say they're not at a school that has the ability to place them with an internship, like the route that you went, what would be your recommendation on how somebody can break into this? That's a good question too. Um, because, once again, my you know, my first school, I, I didn't know anything about music supervision. And now I yeah. know it's something that's being taught a lot. 
Um, and that would be a recommendation as well. I think that there are some programs out there that folks are offering, whether it's you know UCLA or Berkeley or whatever that offer courses uh, that you don't have to be on campus to mm -hmm. take and or learn about it. Um, those are routes. But like I said, I think that the best thing that you can do is really the same approach. Mm. Um, you can do the exact same approach. If you reach out to certain music supervisors and say, hey, guys, you know, or hey, whoever I, you know, I'm interested in your work and I want to do this. There's a difference in how music supervisors will respond to somebody who just wants to pitch music versus someone who's interested in supervision. So mm. I think that if that is your goal, um, I think I know that there are a couple books out there that are yeah. very good. And, you know, even something like this, clearly, if mm -hmm. someone's here, that means yep. they care a little bit more about it than you know maybe the average person but i think that yeah reach out to them as well and let them know what your intentions are but i ultimately mm -hmm. think that you get something like this from you know learning and working under people I, i've had some great people to show me how how to get to where i am um mm -hmm. and i think it starts there but also I, and I know I hate to sound cliche. I, I hate sounding cliche, but it really is as simple as listening to everything, watching as many projects as you can. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'll, t I'll be one of the first to tell you that, man, I, you know, <laughs> before the baby, we were watching legit every show. And even now hmm. I'm pretty caught up on a yeah. lot of shows. Like my queue is getting a little bit longer, but I watch stuff too, because I want to see what folks are doing. And I want to mm. hear, are there trends that are happening, mm. you know, and as, as a whole, because our industry is very trend driven as well, whether yeah. that's, and I don't mean just trailers. I just mean, you know, sync in general, you know, yeah. it's, there are some things that'll stand out. Like I know for a while it was like, Hey, what's Kanye doing? Yeah. And, yeah. and it became a thing because he was making a certain sound. And, yeah. you know, on the other side, it's like, Hey, what's Pitbull and Flowrider doing or what's, mm -hmm. you know, this artist doing. So there are trends. So yes. um, it, it becomes a matter of trying to identify that as well. You know, cool. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a really great tip. And, and I'm assuming when you're watching these shows, you're naturally uh, researching who the supervisor is for that show. And in, oh, in immediately. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Of course. <laughs> I, like of if, course. I'm, if I'm not, if I'm not um, like looking like on screen, like who's the soup? Oh, okay, mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. Then I'm on IMDB. Like I got right. IMDB quick on my yeah. phone, like yeah. for that very same reason. So yeah. That's awesome. And someone who's looking to break in, they can similarly take note of that, watch the show, and, and maybe a show that they love the music to, they can even just shoot that uh, soup, uh, you know, a DM, an email, something just saying, hey, great work on this. I really love the music right. that you placed. This scene really spoke to me, the song you placed. Good job. And you could just start there and like without even asking for anything in return, yep. like how many compliment, <laughs> like who's going to turn their nose up at a, just a compliment? Like everyone appreciates compliments. So why people not just compliment start? Yeah, people typically <laughs> respond well to compliments. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I do recommend that. Um, yeah. But but like you said, it, it really just comes down to it, it's going to always be about doing the work, doing the mm. research. Unfortunately, yes. I, I do have to say that I think that music supervision now is becoming um, almost the equivalent of how people, the perception of music supervision is like how people perceive A&R. You know, they're like, oh, I know talent. I can, I can break the artists. I know who's hot. 
you know, and it's like, yo, it's more to the job than that. Usually when people say I have a good ear for, you know, music, I'm like, all right, cool. I hope you can work well with people. I hope you're not a jerk when (laughs) when it gets late at night and you're working on the same thing and you've seen the same piece of visual for hours on end. Like that's Mm -hmm. what matters. The organization, you know, knowing who works at what place and you know like i said relationship building those are the things that i think stand out more organization good grief the organization because Mm. you know you you i i love jazz Mm -hmm. i love jazz i love jazz r&b soul whatever i'm actually wearing a robert glasper shirt right now i love Ah, jazz yeah um but i didn't i i i use jazz so infrequently at my job Yep. Like we we just did the trailer for the film Soul, and I was like, "Oh shoot, I get to ah, I get to I like lost my mind for a good day and a half. Like, oh, I'm gonna give them all my stuff, but yeah. it's so infrequent that I get to pitch stuff that I actually listen to. So I always mm. tell people, get out that comfort zone, listen to stuff mm-hmm. that you wouldn't ordinarily listen to. And when I say that, I don't mean, hey man, I usually listen to you know country. So today I'm gonna listen to pop. No, I mean like, look, man. I'm going to listen to some stuff from 40 years ago that I wasn't familiar with. And I'm going to listen to some stuff from this era. I'm going to listen to some B-side artists Mm. from the 60s and 70s. And I'm going to listen to that because what it does is um, when I was in school um, and, and they were teaching us how to scat, they would say, you listen to these records to learn how to build your vocabulary. And it really is the same thing, you know, as a supervisor, you're just building your vocabulary. If you like some of the best, the greatest supervisors that I look up to, man, they can have a whole hour long discussion with you on some random B-side act from the 40s. And I I just I sit in (laughs) awe at that, man. Like, I know that there, there are people who are out there. And when you see their work, you know, you can tell you can see their work and you're like, man, how did they find that? And, and, you know, I don't want to call names or whatever, but I would have to mention, you know, uh, when I first saw Breaking Bad (laughs) and I was like, man, this music that is in this joint is so it was so perfect that like to this day, I always tell people, I think that that's probably one of the best souped projects that I've ever seen in my life, man. You know, and Thomas Golubic, like he's, he's insane. But then you hear him talk and you're like, no wonder it's so good. This dude is like a music encyclopedia, man. Mm. So I think that that's something that any aspiring music supervisor has to make the commitment to, to be, you know, just, just study the work completely in totality. And, you know, don't, uh, you know, leave your feelings at the door, you know, it's not always going (laughs) to go your way. And when I say not always, I mean hardly ever, you know, Um, but yeah. yeah. Cool. That's a great tip and and really great pointers. Thank you for that. Um, Well, Brian, thank you so much for this. I have one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. Uh, What does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Oh, man, that's a great question. I think to make it in the new music business requires diligence and it requires patience, and it requires understanding it. You tweeted, you actually tweeted this a couple of days ago. I think you you said something like, um, the music business is uh, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe you tweeted something yeah. in that yep. lane. And I, I think that I agree a million percent, like you, you can't let, it becomes so easy to get discouraged 
and it becomes easy to not, you know, to, to, to think that things aren't working out, but you have to keep pushing. I always tell people that you never know who's relying on your voice and what you have to say, you know, like whatever it is that you're bringing, clearly it's something special, it's something mm. unique. And in order for us to get to whatever the new music business is going to look like, you can very well be a part of it because who knows how you will shape it and how you'll mm. change it. I love that. Brian Vickers, thank you so much. Yeah, this man. was this was incredible. So many gems. Um, <laughs> yes, we'll talk again soon. Have a have a wonderful day. Hey, cool. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com.